Mexico City Madness, ladies and gentlemen, the Padres sweep this weekend's series against the San Francisco Giants, featuring a whole lot of offense. Some would say even too much. Going to be talking about all the big highlights of whatnot for a wild weekend, a little bit of starting pitching, and where we go from here. Finishing the month of April for the Padres. You know what you're listening to, so let's get started. You are locked on Padres. Your daily San Diego Padres podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Greetings, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to another edition of the Lockdown Padres Podcast, which is part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day for Monday, April, just kidding, May 1st. What's going on, everybody? I am your host with sometimes occasionally, but certainly not always, the most, Javier Reyes. You can follow me on Twitter at Javier or hold on, at Javi Peno, J-A-V-I-I-P-E-N-O. And if you don't want to follow me on there because I my tweets annoy you for whatever reason, don't worry. Padres content only at L-O underscore Padres, where I've been live tweeting the games and sharing a bunch of memes and all that nonsense. You can check that out. And you can also check out YouTube to see whatever fit I'm rocking. Nothing crazy today. Got a little hat on that I haven't worn in a long time until recently. Picked it up recently. I don't know. I don't know what's going on with me. It's not even cold winter times, but... Check that out, Lockdown Padres on YouTube. Just past 800 subscribers, so thank you folks for doing that. Uh, I know it doesn't sound like you're the most, you know, these aren't, you know, Mr. Beast numbers, but still, I'm very grateful for all of you subscribing and grateful for you tuning into the show. And as always, thank you for making Lockdown Padres your first listen every day, free and available on all platforms. Before we start this episode, I just want to say I was in a weird, bad headspace um, the past couple days, and that is why primarily uh, I missed Friday's episode. I wasn't able to post for them, as well as my buddy Penn Kaspik of Lockdown Giants wasn't able to record either, uh, unfortunately, so we couldn't preview the series. He'll be on the podcast at some point once we figure out how to do it. Also, some technical things to figure it out, to maybe talk about the NOS as a whole, so look forward to that, and uh, yeah, pretty cool. I want to start off this episode. We're going to be recapping a, a, a truly, just a lot of fun. I mean, it's truly like a really fun weekend in Mexico City, MLB's world tour thing uh, between the Padres and Giants, giving my thoughts on the series and kind of the games that really were just like watching a blockbuster movie. You know what I mean? They were like playing a, a Call of Duty campaign. You know what I mean? Pretty mindless in a lot of ways. Uh, and it doesn't necessarily have something that's going to that that gives us a lot of hints about what this team stands for because of how absolutely insane the series was, particularly Saturday's game. But nonetheless, it was really fun. And I do want to say that some people were bringing up, like, this is ridiculous. And for those who don't know, the elevation the the uh, for this Mexico City game was absolutely ridiculous, like more than Coors Field, more than Great American Ballpark. Well, Great American Ballpark is an elevation, but it's just... A really hitter-friendly stadium, and this was like absolutely insane. You saw that in Saturday's game, and I know some people were saying this is ridiculous. This isn't baseball, including Don and Mud. Uh, we're saying the same thing on the broadcast at one point this weekend. If you guys were watching and listening to them, and my take on it is there are 162 games. For those who have listened to my podcast for a while, this is the same rhetoric and reasoning I've used for why I'm a fan of the zombie runner rule. Because there are 162 games that you will watch the Padres play, or any other team. Maybe you're listening to this because you're a Giants fan and you're a hater. Maybe you're hate listening. If you are, I love you too. Thank you for tuning in. But even if that's the case, 
I don't mind if we just turn the sliders up for a game. You know what I mean? Like in MLB games and sports games, when you turn up the likelihood or turn down the likelihood of things happening, uh, let's just turn up all the offense. I don't think it's a bad thing that a couple times a year we have just candy. You know what I mean? We don't have like that entree. You're just having those sour Skittles and then you're throwing a Snickers in there too. And then maybe you're throwing in some peanut butter cups and then you're having the Sour Patch Watermelon, my personal favorite. Whatever, whatever your candy of choice. That's kind of how I describe this. A roller coaster ride kind of candy thing. It's similar to the rumors that uh, the Field of Dreams game uh, from a couple years ago and, and last year that uh, in the Yankees-White Sox game, back when the White Sox weren't a disgrace. Oh boy! Uh, Padres fans, if you think you have it bad, whew, go check out what's going on in Chicago. My lord. And go look up Chicago White Sox fan rant if you just want to see some great radio broadcasting. Um that I think those games, there was a rumor that like, oh, they juiced the balls for that game. And that's why you got, you know, the Tim Anderson walk off, Joey Gallo homered. It was, it was nuts for that, that series. And I'm kind of for it. Now, I know that I think that there is some negative to this, that pitchers, maybe they might want to file like a grievance if they hit arbitration where they're like, can we just not count these stats? Because this was clearly like the most hitter friendly ballpark, just for an example, in Saturday's game. Fernando Tatis Jr., while it was awesome and rad to see it happen, and it wasn't his only hit of the weekend or moment of the weekend, uh, he hit a home run that went 308 feet. You know what I mean? Like, he just absolutely, it was barely a, a fair ball. You know what I mean? Like, he kind of hit it to the right side of the stadium. Worse than the short porch at Yankee Stadium. It was pretty ridiculous, but I think that it's pretty cool, and it helps both teams or doesn't help both teams. It's not like only the Padres get the offensive boost, only the Giants get it. It's both ways, and I think that that's how I kind of view it. Some people might say, well, not everyone has to play there. Other teams get to play in their own ballpark or regular MLB regulated ballparks. Well, oh, well, you know what I mean? Like, I just I'm not going to in such a long season freak out about stuff like that. So that's my personal approach to it. But enough of me pontificating like a pontificator. Let's talk about the series, guys. Yesterday's game. We're going to talk about that one first. And for once, we don't have to save the best for last. The best is actually just this whole episode, guys. It's kind of a party. It is a Monday morning or afternoon or night, whenever you're listening to this, party that we get to celebrate over this weekend. And it was really cool. I also enjoyed the luchador kind of masks uh, the that the Padres were were wearing with their City Connect colors. I thought that was a lot of fun. I love the City Connects in the Saturday game as well. Um, but for Sunday's game, starting pitching? actually wasn't too bad you actually saw some good stuff not a walk from neither team uh from their starting pitchers it was alex cobb versus you darvish alex cobb goes five innings only gives up three runs but on seven hits and strikes out seven doesn't walk anybody low key pretty good pitcher this year 2.4 era 1.29 whip he was also very good last year especially when you consider that the defense was horrible for the giants and he just got really unlucky so he's actually been pretty solid i'm only springing this up because not that he's a Padres guy, because it's within the division, but if the Giants keep up their current pace, which doesn't look good, I'd be curious to see if that guy gets moved at the deadline. He could be a real difference maker for teams. And to be honest with you, uh, it might even be the guy at the deadline, to be honest with you. Maybe a Lance Lynn of the White Sox or something like that. But for starting pitching, I'd keep an eye on him. I think that he's going to be a popular name as months go down. Because in my opinion, the Giants aren't going to be very good and they're probably going to sell. Not disgraceful bad, but they're probably going to sell. And then for the Padres, you Darvish gets the start. And Lord, after Saturday's game, he was probably looking at this saying, please do not let me pitch in this one. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, this is ridiculous. It's like playing in the stratosphere and all that. But 
I think all things considered, not too bad. He gives up four earned runs on nine hits, but he does go six innings, and he doesn't walk anybody, and he strikes out nine. So you got to see some really cool Darvish moments. You know what I mean? Like You got to see, oh, this is great. We got to see a couple of really great strikeouts from both pitchers, to be honest with you. And I thought Darvish looked pretty good. Again, to emphasize how messed up the ballpark dimensions and everything were, it was the first time I think Darvish had given up three home runs since, like, last September or something like that. Like, he had not given, or maybe even before that, like, last August. They said on the broadcast, but he doesn't do that very often. Uh, you know what I'm saying? So it was it was really interesting to see uh, this pitch, this kind of um, scenario in total. But in total, I mean, seriously, his stuff was pretty great, if not for the, the crazy ballpark stuff. He had 21 whiffs. Um, on swings in this game, which is pretty great uh, from all of his pitches, too, from his slider to his cutter. He even got some on his sweeper that he only threw like seven times and he generated a bunch of whiffs on them. Of course, sweepers taking over Major League Baseball right now, a pitch that I still barely am fully understanding what it means. And of course, you Darvish seemingly has figured out a way to throw it himself and be very effective with it. So that's really cool. I thought that was a lot of fun. But this game does end 6-4, and it was the result of a go-ahead hit that the Padres actually had in the bottom of the eighth after. Let me make sure I get this right. Manny Machado first strikes out, which was unfortunate. But then Soto draws a walk after smiling at the pitcher, by the way, which I really enjoyed. Tyler Rogers, like, kind of smiling at him after a pitch that he threw inside that Soto fouled off. That was a really entertaining at bat and really well done by Soto. Cronenworth then hits a single. Nelson Cruz strikes out, and then Matt Carpenter with the go-ahead double. That, admittedly, little bit lucky on the Padres' for, uh, part. You know, that the, it looks like the winds might have pushed it back in, which resulted in Mike Yastrzemski, unfortunately looking like he injured himself on the play. Uh, but he, you know, hits that ball, um, and it results in a hit for the Padres, and ends up getting the, the RBI. Granted, a little bit inflated by the winds. It wasn't very. It wasn't hit very hard. It was a double, 77.9 miles per hour off the bat, and had an expected batting average of 0.060. So the Padres did get pretty lucky on there. You know what I'm saying? So those runs charged to Camilo Duvall, or at least Tyler Rogers, whoever I think is. So it would be Tyler Rogers. Uh, some unfortunate luck for the homie there. Not Taylor. Taylor was the Padres, guys, if you are wondering or forgetting. Um, so that's unfortunate, but Hey, Padres, they've had a lot of bad, unfortunate stuff this year. So I doubt anybody's going to object to them catching a little bit of a break, but before we continue the rest of this game and then the really fun game on Saturday, guys, I need to talk to you about something that's also really delicious. I was talking about candy earlier. What if I told you there's a protein bar that tastes just as good as candy bars and without all the sugar and calories? <laughs> you know what I'm talking about, don't you? Oh, you know. You gotta taste it, guys. Built Bar, the best tasting protein bar bar built ever. You gotta try this, guys. And what makes Built Bar so good? Well, they're covered in 100% real chocolate, which is rad. Soft and easy to chew. They come in crazy flavors like churro and peanut butter brownie and cookies and cream and cherry barcia, my personal favorite. And the macros are pretty good, too. Only 130 calories and 4 grams of sugar with a whopping 17. That's right. One, hold on, one, seven, one, seven. There, I did it right uh, for people watching the YouTube. 17 grams of protein. And now you don't need to wait to get a box either. For years, we've been talking about ordering them. But now you can get them at your local Walmart or Sam's Club. A club run by a lad named Sam. Still get them with specialty flavors, of course, too, at Built.com. So check it out. Head to your nearest Walmart today. 
walk to the pharmacy section and grab yourself a box of Bilt Bars. You can pick up to four bar boxes of cookies and cream, double chocolate, coconut puff. Again, they've got everything. You get the puffs too. Really great, cool. They have the snickerdoodle puffs. Those are really good. And if you're close to Sam's Club, run in and grab a 13-bar box with our hit flavors, brownie, batter, puff, and churro puff. Ladies and gentlemen, you can thank me later. Now it's something a little bit more serious, ladies and gentlemen. Let me just say, uh, let me just say something real quick. I joke a lot on this show, you know. I joke, I, I joke about a lot of things, but when it comes to getting help mentally, better help is a really great thing to help you out, guys. You know, and it, it kind of helps that this is a little bit more accessible for a lot of people. Uh, I'm not joking about this. I just mentioned to you I had some personal stuff this weekend, and BetterHelp is a great place to go. If you benefited from therapy before, you also know how effective it can be, and BetterHelp is a place that really helps you out. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist, and you can switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Find more balance with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash LockdownMLB to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp.com. BetterHelp, as in, you know, pretty self-explanatory, but H-E-L-P.com slash LockdownMLB. Ladies and gentlemen, BetterHelp is very, very good, and I recommend checking it out for sure. And this podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp, so be sure to check that out, ladies and gentlemen. With that said, we are back to talking about some good old baseball goodness. Just to say, also in this game, really quick, I should uh, bring up also that um, the other runs in this game. Just to just give you a little bit of a tally, Tatis goes one for or two for four with a double in this game as well, which was really rad. Unfortunately, Manny Machado falls up his Saturday game, which we're going to get into in a second. Uh, going zero for four with four strikeouts, golden sombrero for him. So. Pretty appropriate, given the Mexico series. And then Juan Soto, he follows up his game from Saturday and does really well, too. Two for three with an RBI and a walk. Finally, finally, ladies and gentlemen, getting over that 200 line. He is over the Mendoza line, ladies and gentlemen. It finally happened. It only took a month. But Juan Soto, lifetime 280 hitter. Congratulations. You are finally hitting over 200. <laughs> it's just that that guy says it all, right? That guy says it all. Uh, Xander uh, goes with two strikeouts here, but he does manage to get a single in that inning that ended up being kind of the go-ahead inning for the Padres, keeping his on-base streak alive. That is up to 30 games now. He's been awesome so far. Cronenworth goes one for that big RBI that we talked about. Carpenter has that lucky uh, kind of double. And Austin Nola. Austin Nola hits a home run. That, my friend, sums up this weekend series right there. Hits a bomb to center field. Really, really cool stuff uh, for sure. But, yeah, that's uh, that's pretty hilarious. Uh, was it, like, the least hard-hit ball in the world for sure? Like, Austin Nola really got the ball on that one. It went 440 feet. But it's just – it's still very funny that just in a vacuum, Austin Nola hit a home run. Shows you, like, how wild this weekend was. You know what I mean? But he did hit it uh, 440 feet. It was one of the hardest – or I should say uh, longest-hit balls of the entire game. If I'm not mistaken, it might be the longest. No, the longest was actually Mitch Haniger, who had, who had a home run 460 feet. My apologies. So his was the second. Still, really great stuff. And um, happy for Nola, uh, who is going to be the, you know, kind of the guy for a little bit longer until Luis Campuzano, if he gets off that IL. Although, Campuzano, in fairness, while I am part of the Campuzano hive, as you all know, uh, 
there are some metrics on his framing that aren't very good that they qualify him as 70th of 70th. Now, I still think it's a little bit weird because small sample size, not playing back-to-backs, not getting a chance overall, but that is at least a little bit more of a reason for why maybe um, Luis Campisano wasn't getting as much playing time. But that's still a a storyline to keep an eye on. Um, But that's basically the rest of this game, guys. So let's now talk about the nice and fun one, ladies and gentlemen. Should I just say, should I just say, you know, I, I had, again, I had a tough past couple few days, anxiety, all that stuff. You know what I mean? You know how it goes. You know how it goes. And I ordered some Chinese food, just hanging out and watching this game, and it delivered. Oh, man, it delivered. 16 to 11. It was such a nutty game that the line for Sunday's game was over under 20 runs scored. <laughs> like a damn football score. It was ridiculous. For the record, I probably would have gotten the under, I, I, to be honest. I just think that... No matter where you're hitting, it's still crazy to have those scores in two games in a row. Like, I don't remember the last time something like that has really happened. Unless you're, like, the losing team playing the A's. You know what I mean? Like, if you're, like, the A's, that people hit, like, you know, 16 runs against you. But I still thought that was nuts. And it was a nutty, nutty game. Look, uh, Tom Cosgrove, uh, who made his Padres debut, actually, in this game, is actually credited with the win. So shout out to him. And how is he credited with the win? He gets one out. <laughs> Just incredible stuff. Shout out to Cosgrove. That is incredible. Congrats to you, sure, for being earned the win. Uh, Nick Martinez actually ends up getting the save, and he was lights out in this, by the way. Two innings in a game like this with five Ks and no walks or hits. I love it, ladies and gentlemen. I love Nick Martinez in the bullpen. He has the stamina of a starter, seemingly, but with the stuff that works better for the bullpen. So if someone gets hurt, I am more than happy with Martinez being like, all right, he can step up and be okay. You know what I mean? He might be able to go five, give up like seven hits, maybe three earned runs, maybe strike out a few. Like He's going to at least give you some innings and give you be really competitive at it too. But where he shines has been the bullpen. I think his changeup is just really hard uh, at that point in games to kind of get a hit on uh, for players, especially you know their first time. Um, seeing him this late into the game when he's not the third time order, third time through the order of the opposing team, uh, he just looks amazing. And he's lowered his ERA because of it. His last few appearances, just to point it out there. He does actually go seven innings against Atlanta. Again, if they need him to start, I'm fairly confident as Nick Martinez is like that back-end rotation starter. And against Atlanta, April 19th, he struck out six, gave up zero earned runs. Then against the Cubs, three innings, no hits, no earned runs, no walks, two strikeouts, and then what I just mentioned here before. So really great stuff from Martinez, a guy that the initial signing of I was dead wrong about. Um, but it turned out, and I, in fairness, I turned, I changed my tune on him before last season even started. Uh, but uh, he's just been really, really great for the Padres, and I love watching him play. He was really pumped because Cronenworth made a great defensive play, actually, in that second inning of of Martinez to kind of, uh, you know, get them out of a little, not a jam, but to get them out of a potential, just continuing the game. You don't want anyone to get a chance to get up at that to bat in a game like that. And he was pointing to him, and he was pumped up. So love to love to see that. Um, but otherwise, pitching wise, Musgrove gives up seven earned runs and three and a third. So his ERA is now ten point eight on the season. And Sean Manaya, who somehow wasn't like giving up that many runs, he only lasts two innings, but he gives up four earned runs uh, in this game. He's been terrible for the Giants, by the way. This is not a. I like using the meme a lot, and people have pointed this out. The Bart Simpson meme 
when it's say the line Bart and then it's he usually says something and he goes uh like whatever fine and then everyone starts cheering that's I've used the meme that I created a, a, about a year ago which is him saying former Padre and I do that a lot I do it for anyone whenever they have a highlight I did it with CJ Abrams over I think it was on Thursday uh, when he hit it or Wednesday when he hit a grand slam against the Mets to give the Nationals the lead and look for the record if you guys see me tweeting that that isn't always me saying I miss like it stinks that they gave up this guy I miss them for sure but like Abrams hasn't been super effective so far, but he's still young and he's an asset. So I do miss him to an extent, but I'm not always saying, wow, how'd they give him up? It's just more of a joke on the fact that there's all these former Padres and whatnot. It's very fun. Uh, like Mackenzie Gore. Mackenzie Gore, I actually just actively miss a lot. Uh, like and I posted that and a lot of people were talking about it. Uh, someone actually tagged me. I forgot to use it. Um, Taylor Trammell. Uh, people might remember him in the deal for... It was like a three-team trade that they sent Margo. I think, was it the Pagan trade? forgot what they gave him up for. I'm going to look that up. Uh, but he actually hit a grand slam for Seattle uh, in yesterday's game, which is very funny. So shouts to the person that tagged me into that. Maybe you're listening. Um, but that's basically it for the pitching side of things. Not much going on there. Um, just really uh, n- not great. Not great for the, the pitching side of things. It was, it was just absolute wackiness basically the entire time. Uh, other Padres pitchers. Brent Honeywell gives up a home run. Steven Wilson, unfortunately, and he'd been doing well. So this 4.8 ERA of his, because he's had two bad addings the past two addings, one against the Cubs when, in fairness, he just got killed. I don't know what happened to him there. And then this inning. So now his ERA, after April 23rd, it was 0.6. Now it's at 4.8. So I still like Steven Wilson. No reason to panic on that. I think it's a little bit inflated. But, ladies and gentlemen, before we get into the offensive palooza, before we get into it, I must say, first of all, thank you for listening. And also, also because it's going to be really fun after this, let me just make sure I can get up the, uh, the little ad thing. What's it called? What's it called? What's it called? What's it called? Do-do-do. Where is it? I'm trying to find it. There you are. There we go. Ladies and gentlemen, I got to talk to you all about eBay Motors. Really cool stuff. I don't know everything when it comes to cars and stuff, but I do know. That for a championship team, it's all about making sure every player is a perfect fit. It's the same when it comes to your vehicle, folks. Every part needs to fit just right. So next time you need parts and accessories, head to eBay Motors. With eBay Guaranteed Fit, you can be sure every part you need fits right. The first time around, it's great. So don't worry about it. Like, don't worry about, you know, just being nervous about this stuff. They really help you out with all these things. Just add your ride to my garage, which is an option for you on eBay motors and look for the green check to know the part will fit or your money back. That's right. You don't have to do all this Googling and what is this? Hey man, I'm a, I'm look at me. Look at me. I'm a sports podcaster for, 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 for God's sake. Like I, I don't know anything about cars. I don't want to have to look up thing. I don't read. I don't know how to do anything for practically. Uh, well, they help you out with that. Because just like in sports, confidence is the name of the game when you shop on eBay Motors. And with over 122 parts, that's right, 122 parts to choose from, you'll be back in the game in no time. After all, it is easy to bring home a win when the right parts are guaranteed. So get the right parts, the right fit, and the right prices on ebaymotors.com. Let's ride! eBay, guaranteed fit, only available to U.S. customers, eligible items only, Exclusives, exclusions apply. All right, folks, let's get it on. Let's talk about it. Let's talk about it. I'm so excited for this. Are you ready, guys? Are you ready? 
<sighs> Scoring summary time. <laughs> I mean, this is just so ridiculous. Okay. <laughs> it starts with a Nelson Cruz single that brings in Xander Bogarts and Manny Machado. Bottom of the second inning, Austin Nola scores. I believe that was a wild pitch from Sean Manaya, who was just throwing a whole bunch of wild pitches. I think Soto was up at the plate. That was very fun. Top of third inning, Brandon Crawford hits a home run. By the way, after the Padres challenged his first home run because it ends up being a foul ball, and then the next pitch is a home run. I'm sorry. I don't care where you're pitching. Musgrove, that's an L. I'm sorry. That's an L. <laughs> like, it just is. I'm sorry. That's crazy. After all that. And then Lamont Wade Jr. hits an absolute titan beasts bomb as well in that inning but don't worry the Padres strike back is currently three to two Padres then Nelson Cruz hits a homer and oh was it lovely it was lovely uh and then Austin Nola has a single that allows Mr. Jacob Jacob Cronenworth to score then unfortunately the Giants come all right back uh hitting a home run to deep left center allowing Michael Conforto to score and JD Davis Mitch Hanniger kind of killed the Padres in the series he's also had a home run in the Sunday game he just got back Solid player for them. He's going to be interesting. Tyro Estrada gets a double, allowing Lamont Wade, Blake Sabal, and Mike Ashemshi to score. But don't worry. You had the bottom of the fourth. He's been struggling all year, but thanks this weekend, we're having hope. Juan Soto hits a solo shot. And then Xander, ooh, Xander Bogarts hits a solo shot. And for the record, Juan Soto's home run in this home run happy offensive palooza, the hardest hit ball of the night. That's right, 113.3 exit velo uh, off the bat. It wasn't the farthest hit of the night. It wasn't the farthest hit. That actually goes to Brandon Crawford, Lamont Wade, and Mitch Hanniger. Their home runs, those are the three farthest hits of the night. Then come all the Padres hits, but Crawford's home run, Lamont Wade, and Mitch Hanniger's home runs, those are the ones that were actually, they ended up going the farthest. Um, then bottom of the fifth inning, Fernando Tatis Jr., Hits a home run. Now, it says here 390 feet on what I'm looking at. But it also said 308 feet elsewhere. So I got a couple, like, conflating opinions on that. I don't know for sure. All I know is I'm just going to assume a little bit lucky on everything. You know what I'm saying? Like, just in terms of the overall, like, how balls were hit out. And, in fact, just looking at StatCast right now, um, Fernando Tatis Jr.'s home run went 376 feet. That's what they're saying. So I've got 390. I've got 304, 308. I got 340 somewhere, but here's the kicker. Expected batting average of 070. So, like, that shows you that he got very lucky, and that one was probably the biggest product of the ballpark of any hit this this weekend. But who cares? Then Manny Machado hits a home run to make it 10-8 Padres, but it's not done then. Then, top of the seventh inning, we get a home run from Blake Sable, and we get another one from David Villar, an absolute crush. And then Machado, in the bottom of the seventh, hits a home run to... Uh, deep right center, allowing Tatis to score, who had just hit a double. That was very cool. Love Tatis being on base for that. And Machado, very amped, looking at the dugout, doing the the chest bump thing that he always likes doing, uh, which was very fun. He was clearly jazzed about it, especially because this is probably his best overall game of the year, um, to be honest with you, so far for the Padres. He goes four, hold on, I'm sorry. He goes three for four with two walks and two homers, three RBIs on the on the. On the night, also a double. So a double, two homers, and two walks. Can't really beat that. Also had a stolen base that they didn't even bother throwing. I don't know if the catchers and everybody was just tired, but Manny literally, like, as the catcher for the Giants was throwing the ball, he just, like, looked at and then the guy didn't throw it, so then Manny just finished the rest of it just walking. It was very, very weird. It was almost like a... 
whatever, man. <laughs> you know what I mean, like, we're just trying to get out of here. This is an absolutely ridiculous game. That's the vibe it had. Um, then Trent Grisham hits a double in the bottom of the eighth inning to help increase the lead for the Padres. And then Nelson Cruz hits a single, allowing Soto to get to third, Machado, and Trent Grisham to score. Final score, 16-11. to 11. Now, yes, Nelson Cruz, by the way, just a batting average champion. He's had a lot of games this year where he just has crazy numbers of RBIs, and this game is no different. He goes 5 for 6 in this game. <laughs> Old man Nelly uh, goes 5 for 6 in this game with 4 RBIs, a home run uh, on the day, as well as a double. Um, and also, he gets credited with a stolen base. It was nuts, man. There was just all over the place. You get a stolen base from Kim as well in this game. Uh, Grisham goes 2 for 4. Just, I remember there was a tweet that I think it was after the second Machado home run that his WRC plus number for the year heading into that game was 60, which is abysmal, especially by his standards. Frankly, by any player's standards, but by his standards, it's abominable. And it increased to 90 in like three hours was something that someone tweeted. Like, that's how absolutely ridiculous this game was, right? Like, it's just absolutely ridiculous. So one thing that has to be pointed out is, you know, while this series was a lot of fun, and I think a lot of Padres fans, myself included, were just happy to see offense even if it was inflated a little bit. Like, who cares? Because this team has time and time again, the amount of times I've seen Soto hit into double plays, Manny Machado hit into double plays, strikeouts with the bases loaded, and pop-ups, infield fly ball pop-ups from Juan Soto. Like, considering they've been so porous with their batting, especially with runners in scoring position, I don't really care the way that they got their runs. You know what I'm saying? Like, I just don't find myself caring all that much about how they went about things. And I, I think that that's kind of okay to be honest with you i think that it's as i talked about at the top of the pod i think it's just a lot of fun um in this game you got a little bit of everything and it was crazy it was home run home run palooza same thing for the giants and i mentioned at the end there that those last rbis from nelson cruz actually felt huge because who knows if the Padres are being going to be able to keep the lead martinez ends up getting the save and in Sunday's game, uh, Josh Hader ends up getting the save because it was only a two-run game. And I was nervous, not because of Hader specifically, but more that you just don't know because it's just been so offensively crazy this weekend that a two-run lead is might as well be like bases loaded with nobody out <laughs> in a game like this, right? That's what it felt like. Uh, so those extra RBIs from Nelson Cruz have been awesome. For what he is and what they got him for, Nelson Cruz has been one of the better like, he's just kind of outperform expectations in a way. He's just getting the bat on the ball. He does have some at-bats this year where he just isn't seeing enough pitches. And he goes into an at-bat and seemingly, and I've joked about this, but it almost seems real sometimes, that he just takes his three hacks and then he sits down. You know what I mean? He's just going to swing at whatever, and then after that, whatever, man. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, that's just kind of the vibe. But over the weekend, uh, it's nice to see that a lot of guys, that their WRC Plus numbers went up. Tatis, I don't care about his WRC Plus numbers, really. But Xander Bogarts on the year is still at 157. Matt Carpenter, 138. Soto, Soto at 107. Nelson Cruz, uh, 127. Trent Grisham, 105. Jake Cronenworth, 101. And then uh, Machado is still sitting at a 91. We're still hoping that Tatis and Machado get above that average WRC Plus mark. And I think they will. Again, Tatis is too early. Still just a few games, eight games or nine games. Numbers for him, as far as I'm concerned, don't really matter. You know what I mean? He's 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 batting. Well, let me see here. He's batting 243 with a 282 on base and 432 slugging. I don't really care about Tatis's numbers so far. What I will say about Tatis, he's looked good in the outfield. Way too early. Way too early. 
But from what I've seen so far, and I think he gets an... Was it this weekend? I think it was the Saturday game. He gets an outfield assist, Ashley, throwing out a runner who was trying to get to third base. So that was cool. That might have boosted his defensive stuff. Look, he's got the tools to do it, and I'm hopeful that he can be great. And I will say, overreaction, similar hot take to when I said that I would have walked Tatis uh, in the Cubs series and faced Soto with the bases loaded. I feel like Tatis already looks better defensively than Soto. And this is total eye test thing. Total eye test thing. You know, and there were some other cool defensive plays actually in this series. Xander Bogarts almost makes a crazy, like kind of like Jeter esque play at one point. Unfortunately, the arm strength wasn't totally there, which is one thing I've noticed. He doesn't throw the ball, you know, O'Neill Cruz levels or Manny Machado levels to first. He still seems like he's got decent range. He hasn't been bad, but that's one thing I've noticed is maybe the arm strength. But I will also say, could be a factor of the, of just not having in the situations, whether it be the batters that were running in situations like the balls that were hit. It was a slow runner. It seems like he hasn't shown off that big of an arm strength. That could just be me. I don't know, but I will say, uh, Tatis in the outfield, man. I've liked what I've seen so far. I really have. I think he's got speed. I think he tracks the ball pretty well, and he just doesn't look lost. Soto has conflicted with Grisham in center field many, many times, including against the game that I was at with uh, the Mets when they literally let a ball kind of like get between them because Grisham didn't want to run into the guy. So Soto and Grisham need to figure it out. This could be a product of the left field for him, because Soto's usually a right fielder. But even still, considering how bad he was in right field, he ain't going to be able to... He can't complain about that. You know what I mean? But I will say, again, the Padres' offensive numbers, pretty pretty underwhelming. Matt Carpenter should not be the second-best offensive player on this team. It should probably be... You know, Tatis or Machado or, I don't know, Xander Bogarts. Well, Xander's number one, but you get my point. So hopefully the pods can use this as a nice little, maybe it could just be a mentality thing. Even if it was inflated, just seeing the ball go over the fence, seeing you score a bunch of runs, something that they have not been able to do this year all that much when they need to. Maybe that's just a good mentality boost for this series upcoming against now the Reds. Now this is where the offense might blow up even more. Because the Great American Ballpark is widely considered the most hitter-friendly ballpark in baseball. I know everyone talks about Coors Field, but when it comes to home runs, my lord, Great American Ballpark is nuts. So that's going to hopefully be a really fun series starting tonight, and I can't wait for it. Um, Trying uh, to do a little crossover special with potentially someone else. A special guest that may be on this show. We'll have to see. Not a guarantee. Maybe doing a recap with somebody else afterwards. Uh, but still, I'm really excited for the series just because we might get some offense. And it might not teach us a lot about this Padres team overall and where their offense is. But it's just going to be kind of nice to see. And hopefully it can get their momentum going. Get their positivity back. Manny Machado, that golden sombrero game was annoying. But hopefully they do well against the Reds. Because then after this, they play the LA Dodgers. For the first time this weekend, folks, this weekend, LA Dodgers series. Then they play the Twins, who aren't bad, and then they play the Dodgers again. So it's gonna be it's gonna be interesting. Big test case for the Padres over a little bit. We'll see. Can you get the offense better? I think so. And you shouldn't give up, even if it has been a very frustrating start. Not awful, but frustrating start for the Padres this year, especially given the expectations. But they're still floating. They're still floating like a little guppy. Like a little float thing. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. That makes no sense, but whatever. Who cares? But that all being said, ladies and gentlemen, that about does it for today's edition of the Lockdown Padres podcast. The only pod that may be better than the Padres themselves. Remember to subscribe to the podcast wherever you get your podcasts from. 
you know, follow me on Twitter at Javipeno, J-A-V-I-I-P-E-N-O, or at L-O underscore Padres. Lockdown Padres on YouTube. Hopefully get to 1,000 subs, maybe by the end of the month. Maybe that would be cool. That would be cool. I don't know. I, I don't know. Tell your friends, even if they don't care about baseball, just to make me happy. You know, just tell them, oh, go subscribe. You know, you can mute the channel for all I care. You know, you can, I don't think you can do that. But you get my point. You don't have to watch. It's okay. Just subscribe. You know, that'd be really cool. Or watch. I don't know. And as always, stay safe. And of course, stay faithful. My fire faithful homies, take care.